to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have nots, we are not afraid. Our stories are afraid. They are not perfect. We believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1, 17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall, and you're listening to Afraid Not. This is episode number 78, and we are talking today to Tracy Elliott. Tracy is a bubbly and joyful person. You cannot help but be cheerful in her presence. She just is filled with light. She's a wife. She's a mom. She's a math teacher, the kind of math teacher that you hope your seventh grader gets. She's so much fun. And she's also from the same church that Jill and I both grew up in years ago when she was in the youth group and Jill and I were both in a more of a a few years down the road helping with the youth. So kind of cool that life has brought us full circle. Tracy's going to talk today about um, a pretty severe bike accident that happened a little over a year ago that um, caused a really great injury, but Um, just kind of how God got her through that, how she kept her spirits up and what has happened since. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this one and you're going to love her just humor and enthusiastic spirit through everything. So listen in. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hello. We are so glad to have you. Welcome to Afraid Not. Thank you very much. So, Tracy, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. My name is Tracy. I've been married for 21 years now. I have three children. They are 10, 12, and 14. So we are in elementary school, middle school, and high school right now. (laughs) Right? Very (laughs) Those big school. That's great. Right at those teen years. It's beautiful, but I am blessed with one of the most amazing 14-year-olds. He makes parenting easy for me, so I cannot complain. Um, I have been teaching for as long as I have been married. I teach math. Um, I've taught mostly seventh grade, a little bit of eighth grade, but mostly seventh grade math, which is beautiful because it's the awkward years, and so I get to be awkward in the classroom with them, and we get to have fun. (laughs) Robin and I both did some time in middle school, so we totally understand that. Oh, what do you mean did? I'm right there in the thick of it, Jill. Oh, oh that's right. You're still there some. That's right. I mean, every day, all day long, sixth grade. I'm there. <laughs> I do have a, an hour with high schoolers, but I love, I love my sixth graders. So Tracy, I get you. I know what you mean. They're, they're pretty great. And they don't care if I'm weird. <laughs> right. It's the best the part. The better. Yep. <laughs> So, and you've been married for 21 years. So, so tell us a little bit about your husband, Isaac. 
Oh, my lands. Isaac is a servant. Um, he knows how to build me up and support me. Um, when I met him, I was actually dating somebody else at the time. Um, oh, that sounds but, like a story. Right? <laughs> <laughs> His friend, actually. And, um, but anyway, you know, time went on. Um, we lost contact with that, that gentleman and, um, God really just brought us back together um, and had his hand at all of it to the point where I felt like God just revealed that Isaac was the man that I was going to be with, um, which is good because when marriage gets tough, you go back and you you remember that promise that, oh yeah, this is how it was supposed to be. And um, it's it's been such a blessing to be married to Isaac. Um, he, like I said, he loves my children well. He supports me. Um, he He's the kind of man who will do dishes and cook if that's what's needed. Um, and so it's just been um, 21 years of growing together and um, just the ironing, sharpening iron, you know. Yeah, that's great. And Tracy and I, we know each other from growing up years at Council Road. And also, um, our husbands were in a band together for a little while. And that was fun. That was, that was fun. I missed the band days. <laughs> Tracy, were you in the youth group when Chris was the youth intern? Yes, ma'am. Oh, that is just hilarious. Here we are, full circle, grown ups. <laughs> I remember. I was going to say, I remember when you guys got engaged. Oh, my goodness. Which was February 10th of 1990, my friends. Very <laughs> <good> <laughs> Wait, no, sorry. I said the wrong year. It was 94 that we got engaged. Sorry. Nice. So that's so fun that we go way back. I love it. So tell us how, just what are some of the things that maybe in your looking back over your shoulder, how did the Lord... Um, introduce himself to you like how did you come to know i love the lord and and i want to follow jesus was it something that you did as a young child or more as a teenager or kind of that beginning stage for you of deciding i'm going to follow the lord the beginning stage i grew up in church i was very fortunate and so i heard the gospel from the time i was very little and so it felt very natural um, to me that I just knew. I remember being six and, and thinking, I need Jesus. There was, there was no question. And so I just asked my mom, you know, mom, what do I do? I, I need Jesus. And so she led me um, to pray, um, to, you know, ask for forgiveness, to seek God, to ask Jesus to be Lord of my life. Um, and I won't say that I always um, felt confident in that because it was a decision made at a young age. Um, but as I have grown, the more that I understand the gospel, the more confidence I have, not just in salvation, but in forgiveness. Mm. What a beautiful story of childlike faith. I love that. And the Lord tells us to come to him like a child. It's exactly what you did. I just think that's beautiful. Um, and where are you, where are you teaching? I am teaching at Cooper Middle School. I've been in the Putnam City District for 21 years now. 
So I know you have a pretty dramatic story that you're going to tell us about. Um, tell us a little bit about your passion for cycling. <laughs> I, I wish I could tell you how it started because honestly, a long time ago, Isaac took me mountain, mountain bike riding and I crashed and got a concussion my very first time. Oh no. Wow. Right. <laughs> so I pretty much just kind of quit, but, um, Somehow we got a hold of a, an old road bike um, and I was able to go on a few rides and he convinced me to go on a ride with other people with a, a bike stop. And so I did that first ride. I think it was maybe the second time um, one of the people on the ride was like, hey, why don't you start riding with us? And I thought, hey, why not? And I was wearing my little um, sport bike shorts, which are just goofy and you know, I wore tennis shoes instead of they have bike shoes that clip into the pedals. So I was all kinds of awkward, but they invited me anyway. And so um, I just started riding mostly around um, the lake around here in Oklahoma City. But um, they would start going other places from time to time. And I really just started enjoying it. And it got to where I would ride two, three times a week, 50 miles on the weekend or more. Um, and it just became, it's, it's something where if I ride by somebody riding a bike, I you know, stop and look and think I could be doing that. Oh, fine. <laughs> so how long have you been riding? I want to say six years. Um, it could be seven now. I'm not a hundred percent sure. So tell us what happened about a year or so ago on one of your rides. Is that what happened when it was? Yes, it was July 7th of 2020. That day is forever stuck in my head. Um, I had started going on morning rides. So I'd get up early about 6, 6.30 in the summer and take a lap or two around the lake and get home before my husband left so I could be with the kids. And um, I was a little bit late getting up, but I thought I'll just get a lap in. So I went around the lake and as I was on my way home, um, I had a green light to cross the intersection. And so when I started going, I saw cars in the line. The first car was going straight. And, um, but after she went straight, the car behind her started turning and she turned into me and hit me. Mm. How terrifying. Oh my goodness. Did it register in your moment that it happened? Did you feel like, I think a car just hit me or were you completely confused? Like, I have no idea what's going on. Well, I, there's a little bit of, they, some people have called it traumatic memory loss. Um, I remember thinking she's going to hit me and I knew I didn't have time to stop. And I know I didn't have time to swerve out of the way. Um, and so I remember that I remember, this is really goofy. I remember sliding around on the top of the car and thinking, I'm going for a ride. <laughs> and, uh, Right. And later on, I thought that was an unusual thought to have while sliding on top of a car. And then I remember thinking I needed to get off the concrete and crawl into the grass. And um, I don't remember moving to the grass, but my next memory is sitting in the grass um, and I could see her car in the intersection. Did the driver stop? Uh, she did stop. So that's 
kind of funny too. Um, it's kind of funny. It's, it's sad too. Um, my heart breaks for her um, because she was very upset. And so I had a nurse that was talking to me and I heard, I've got your phone. I've got your phone. So I gave him my husband's phone number um, for them to call him. I gave him the access to my phone and I hear her and, and precious woman, I have to say it the way, I hit your wife. And I'm thinking, oh. and, and there's so much going on. And I almost said, please give me the phone. He's going to think I'm dead. <laughs> and, um, but fortunately he did not hear her traumatized voice. And so it did um, speech to text for him. So he was able to read it. And then he was able to call her back. And, and it even took a while for her to figure out where we were. She was so traumatized that she didn't even know where she was, what street oh. intersection she was at. You said at first she didn't stop, but then she pulled over and came back or what? Or did she stop? No, no, no. She did stop. Um, I think it just took her a while to get out of the car. And then she was, I think she was looking at my bike and picking up the phone for me. Okay, good. I had the impression that it was a hit and run and she left the scene, which is a whole different sad thing. So I'm glad she did not leave the scene. Me too. Um, I, the only thing I wish is I wish I could have told her before we left, like, it's okay. Like, I'm not mad at you. It, you know, it's a tragic accident and that there are consequences Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not like you woke up this morning thinking I'm going to run into a cyclist. No. Yeah. But this wasn't just like a tap with the bike. I mean, this was horrific. Right. What were so, some things that your body went through in the crash? So um, it did knock me off the bike. One foot came out of the shoe. <laughs> One shoe just came off of the, the pedals. The bike was completely destroyed. Um, and then, so when the paramedic was checking me, um, I did not have a concussion, which was great. Um, but I think it kind of confused him because he was asking me if I wanted to walk to the gurney. Fortunately, at that point, I was feeling dizzy. So I said, no, I'll go ahead and lift me. And they lifted me onto the gurney and they took me to the ER. And we thought I was going to be dismissed um, from the ER because I was in pretty good spirits. My adrenaline was running high. Um, but they said, we need to go ahead and take x-rays because I complained that my upper back and my lower back was hurting. Um, and so when I got out of the x-rays, um, they said, well, I'm sorry, but you are going to have to stay here we are calling our neurologist and uh, you have broken your neck. So I broke my C6. Oh no. Um, I severely compressed my L2. And so they had to fuse L1 through three. That was two days later. Um, I broke my right knee at the femur where they couldn't do surgery. And I bruised my left knee. And I always like to tell people I also sprained my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> and on top of all that right you've got a good sense of humor tracy if you can make sure to add in that <laughs> might have been the most important thing i don't know but so had they just sent you home and not done the x-ray they would i mean who knows what would have happened your neck was broken 
right? The the neurosurgeon kept coming back and, and he'd pinch my toes and he'd say, can you feel that? And he'd walk away and he'd come back and he'd pinch me again. Can you feel that? So I think he was pretty shocked that I did not have any nerve damage. That was pretty miraculous. If you look at the, the um, x-ray, I think it was an x-ray of my neck. It might've been a something else that like it was in like three pieces they had to take somebody else's spine and graft that in to attach it to the c7 oh my goodness yeah how did you process this crazy thing that happened to you were you in shock the whole day were you just was it just a hard thing for your mind to even comprehend where am i and why what is happening uh it was kind of awkward to process when he first told me i argued with him and said, I really don't want metal in my body. No, thank you. And he told me I did not have a choice. Um, like I said, my adrenaline was running so high for so long that the pain took forever to set in. Um, and then once the pain did finally set in, it was right before they were putting me in a room and they gave me some really heavy pain medication. <laughs> and so I was a kind of, um, on that pain medication, I wasn't as awake or aware I guess. And so I kind of slept through the first two days, mostly of the, they did the neck surgery the first day. And after they did that, they said, you're pretty safe, but they still kept me in the neck collar. And then the next day they did the back surgery. Wow. Huge surgeries. These are very, very altering surgeries. Were you awake enough to say, I know what happened to me in having surgery, or did you find out later? By the way, I had two surgeries. I was awake enough to know that I was having surgeries. I remember joking with the anesthesiologist before the first surgery. The second surgery is kind of a blur, and I have videos that I took between the two, but I don't remember being super awake. So that was unusual. It was more, I think, coming out of it um, that the reality that it was a bigger deal than I thought, because I joked through a lot of it, I think, um, where I was in the hospital for two weeks from that. And then I did one week of rehab. But I remember not being able to really just turn to my side. And so I remember the first day I could turn on my side. I was so excited because I could turn and I could lift, lift my hip up, you know. So just having that small bit of movement felt good. Or even <laughs> the first day I wasn't staring at the ceiling because they finally gave me my, my neck surgery and I could look at the wall and not just the ceiling of the hospital. Yeah, yeah. So you were in the hospital for two weeks? Yes. Yeah. What was this like for your children? it was, I think it was hard for them at first, but it was such a blessing um, that the first week my mom kind of stayed with my children. And this was right at the beginning of all the COVID. So my mom tried to come up to the hospital that first day. She sat in the ER parking lot with my children for an hour before she figured out that she could not come in because my husband was already there. And then for the rest of the three weeks, he was the only one allowed in the hospital with me because he was oh. my home visitor. Oh, goodness. So, right. So she helped with my children at the beginning. And then after about a week, my brother, who was out of town at the time, came up to the city, picked up my kids and took them with him for the next two weeks. And that was the biggest blessing. How sweet. 
Yeah, that's, that had to be hard on your mom that she couldn't even come in and see how you're doing or anything. I think my mom probably struggled the most with not yeah. being able to come in. Yeah, yeah, I could see that as a mom. That would be rough. <laughs> so um, what, what did this do to your faith at the time? Were you angry? Were you just like, I mean, you always have a good sense of humor. So did you just kind of, kind of keep up those spirits? Uh, to be honest, I think being in the hospital was one of the best times for me. Uh, I, there was a lot of laughter, um, with whether it was the PT or the nurses. Um, but I was able, I saw my coworkers come around me. They brought food like the second day for my family, which they needed. Um, Mm -hmm. because Isaac could not cook for everybody and get everything together. And so that really took a lot of burden off him. And then my church family just really surrounded us in ways that I never, never imagined. So, um, which I got do you attend Tracy? I go to Bridgeway. It's in Oklahoma city. I've heard wonderful things about your church. So that church family rallied around you. Yes. And while I was in the hospital, my only visitor was my husband and he was still working some. And so I had a lot of alone time where I could just, I listened to a lot of worship music. Um, I was able to have my quiet time, like, and it was really quiet because there was nobody in the room. So mm-hmm. it, there was just a lot of rest that it's hard for us to get in our normal day-to-day life. Um, a lot of focus that it was hard to get in the normal day-to-day life. So there was this beautiful blessing that just surrounded those three weeks. So Tracy, how did you emerge from this traumatic experience so filled with comfort? Because I know that it could have been a time of bitterness and anger. It could have been a time where you just internalized a lot of why me? So will you talk us through that? And I would love to hear about what God did in your heart through this time. I think probably the funniest thing is it's probably more recently that it's I do think more about, you know, the frustration of having been hit because even just recently today, in fact, I went back to physical therapy because I've been having more pain and stress in my back. Um, But I, I still look back and I go, I can walk. Um, I'm, I'm so glad I can walk. I can still ride my bike. And so I, I've been very blessed, but I've also had to come to that place um, from the very beginning, I felt like Christ said, even if I couldn't walk, even if I had been paralyzed, God would still be good and God would still be God. And so that's been um, one place where I feel like I've had to ground myself in that, that whether or not I can walk, whether or not I have pain, God is still good and God is still God. Um, while I was in the hospital, um, my, I had two songs that I probably listened to the most. One was turn your eyes upon Jesus. Um, and I love the part where it says, when you turn your eyes upon Jesus, the things of earth just grow dim. They don't, they don't matter anymore. The more that we gaze upon his face. And then the other song was his eyes on the sparrow. Um, I know they're really old hands, but those were the two that, that just stuck in my, my head because if, if he can watch the sparrow and take care of the sparrow and he cares about the sparrow, how much more does he care for me, his child? 
Mm. Yeah. I've always loved those, both those hymns. Same here. And they're so true and such beautiful message inside a beautiful song. It's, it's just sometimes hymns are the best way to package that truth of the word of God and the, the beauty that our soul needs to hear. So. Yeah. Yours. Cause you're still a, a little, I mean, over a year later, you're still dealing with a lot of pain from this, right? Right. I didn't for a little while I got, so I got hit in July. I had to wear a back brace for, for, excuse me, for 10 weeks, I couldn't even walk because of my knee healing from it being broken. So I walked around on a walker with a back brace and sent for a little while and that brace. So I looked kind of goofy for a while. Um, and then for, um, nine months, almost 10 months, because it took them a while to release me. I had to wear a back brace everywhere I went and I couldn't lift more than 10 pounds. And so there was definitely um, weird moments. I went to buy a turkey in November and I couldn't lift it because it was over 10 pounds. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so it was, you know, you, you become humble because you have to find somebody random in the store and say, can you please lift this and put this in my basket for me? And you got to the parking lot and you trust that you will be able to find somebody who will lift the turkey and put it into your car for you. <laughs> so, you know, there are goofy things like that where your, my life was interrupted for a long time. And then, like I said, I was released in April um, to take off the back race, to lift more than 10 pounds and to ride again. Um, but you're supposed to, you know, slowly kind of take on those things. I probably did it a little bit fast. And so now I'm kind of struggling again with, uh, more um, pain in my back. There have been a few times just recently where I've taken pain medication or muscle relaxers just to be able to go to sleep. And so I am starting PT again and I'll be going, she wants me to go, um, try to go twice a week. So it's a, it's a time commitment. Um, and that's gonna, it's gonna be hard to work out. But again, the fact that I can do this, um, the fact that I feel like I'm working towards a goal um, is, is great. And like I said, even if I have pain and, and this pain doesn't go away, God is still good. And God is still on his throne. And I know that he is going to use this to grow me and, and maybe even to bless others. Absolutely. I imagine that the impact this has had on your children is so much deeper than they can even verbalize. They have seen firsthand that you haven't given up, that you have kept a cheerful, grateful heart in the midst of frustration. I mean, I'm sure there may have been days you weren't perfect, but here you are smiling at the other side of it saying, God is still God. And they're going to remember for the rest of their life when they encounter their own hardships. Well, because I saw my mom go through that, I know I can go through this. And I feel like that's an encouragement for me today, too. When I'm facing whatever it is, hearing you in your faith come, come through your story reminds me I can face whatever it is. God is still good. And it's a really simple and good reminder. <laughs> yeah. And what was that like getting on that bike that first time after all this? I was so excited. I felt like I could fly again. I couldn't, but um, it was it was a very joyful moment for me. I wore 
the same jersey that I had worn when I got hit. So it had a little bit of blood stains on the back. And um, my, I had, oh my goodness, I think 10 friends met me that morning to, we just rode around the lake. It wasn't anything extreme. Um, I might've even gotten two laps in that first time back. It was, it was a beautiful thing and it was a beautiful sunrise. So I, you know, I got to enjoy nature while I got to have my first ride back. So no fear of getting back on the bike. You just got back on. Again, it's funny. It's like those first few times, the fear, the pain, all that was gone. And then about a month later, I started getting a little bit afraid of riding in groups or riding near poles or crossing streets. And um, I kind of had to pray through it and say, okay, the truth is that I've passed this intersection many times. And the truth is people aren't trying to run me over with their cars. So I just need to look and watch and move on and, and keep going. I even had, in fact, I remember I had one point where a car did come close to hitting me when he was pulling into the parking lot and I pulled to the side and I just broke down and called my husband crying um, because I just was so shaken up. Yeah. By that. But again, I just had to pray through it and, and, you know, speak the truth. The truth is God is with me. God is good. And, um, and that we'll just keep on going. I love that. I mean, what a great motto for every single day. God is with me. God is good. I'm going to keep on going. We can say that to ourselves every morning. <laughs> That's me in the hard classroom days, right? Oh my goodness. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, have you always had just this upbeat kind of nature about you? I feel like people said I've always been positive, but I think probably more after all of this happened, God has really worked a big change in my heart and it's become not just how I deal with things, but more of who I really am. Um, I have seen the beauty of the bride of Christ through this and to have the people around me that I do and to be able to trust them um, in ways that I don't feel like I did before um, has grown me in my faith too. And so there have just been a lot of things that I feel like, like before um, I got hit, I feel like I struggled a lot more with anger. And after I got hit, it's funny, like, it's not like that was um, something I was seeking and, and praying about while I was in the hospital, yet I look and that's something that God was really working on. And so that I just have so much more peace um, about me after all of this. So God was able to use this to grow me and to heal me in my heart where I really needed, needed mm. the healing. That's beautiful. Pretty amazing how God uses the pain we go through to create beauty in our spirit, in our life, in our character. He uses the pain and it's kind of a dichotomy. How does that work? He works it out. He is mysterious. He uses those painful things. He doesn't waste our pain ever, ever. Do you have any contact with the driver at all? 
No, I have been interested in asking my husband to help me um, get in contact with her. If nothing else, just to write her a letter. Um, I, I struggle between bringing trauma back to her, but also just letting her know there, there's no, um, I'm struggling to find the word, that I don't hold any grudges against her and I don't hold her accountable. No, yeah, and that you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's funny. It's, I, I can't say that I am great at always forgiving. That is something I think we always learn to walk through. But, you know, when we have been forgiven so much, you know, it's so much easier to forgive others. And then, you know, it's the Lord, it's the prayer, the example prayer that Jesus taught us, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so I feel like, I mean, I don't feel like I ever held anything against her. Um, and that was fortunate for me. Um, and it was like you said, Robin, it's easier because she did stop. And I did hear that she was traumatized. And I, and I pray and I hope that she got help um, because she really was traumatized. But forgiving her, I think, has been a, an important part for me to be able to move on and to be able to heal. I don't think this would have been as easy a process if I had held anything against her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you're a shining example. I, I really appreciate, and I know that the, the Lord gets the glory. He's the one that's done all of these beautiful things in you, but I just see what a beautiful thing that your spirit is just free from bitterness and you are just filled with light and life. And that is God. That is his work. It's pretty cool. Thank you, Tracy, for sharing your story with us. Do you have any resources or anything or anything you'd recommend to somebody that might be, might've gone through something where they feel bitter? Um, a book that I read before all of this happened, and I really hadn't even connected it with this, was Victim of Grace by Robin Jones Gunn. And it's just an interesting perspective of seeing that it's very easy to see ourselves as a victim of our circumstances, but as children of God, we are victims of his grace and, and what that means to us. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes and we can direct people to find it. And that's a great author. Fantastic author. Well, we just want to thank you for telling the author again? Was it Robin Jones Grace, the author? Robin Jones Gunn. Oh, Robin Jones Gunn. Okay. Got it. Thanks for taking time to spend with us on Afraid Not, Tracy, and tell us and our listeners about this story that you've lived through, still are living through. And to God be the glory for all these great things he's done in your life and is still doing in your life. And we appreciate you taking time to be with us. Good to see both of you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're so glad that you were here today to hear Tracy Elliott's beautiful story. One of the things that is so precious to me today, what a great example she is in her the mantra that she clung to, no matter what, God is still good and God is still God. I'm going to carry that with me. It's a great thing to remind ourselves each day. God is still good and God is still God. 
And he never wastes our pain. And his, if his eye is on the sparrow, it's certainly on us. So I love that too. Make sure to rate and review and subscribe and tell your friend. And we will see you back again in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.